Hello and welcome to another episode of Hindsight is Horrifying, the show where usually we look back on the movies and TV shows of our youth and do whatever it is we do with them. But this week we're doing something a little bit different. This week, I, Jason Mitchell, am here with my co-host, Darth Jader, and our very special guest co-host. Repeat guest co-host repeat, now. Yeah, yeah, we've only had one other... Have we had a repeat? Yeah, Katie. Oh, that's right. Katie, yeah, Katie was there twice. Adam Brown, who, uh, as uh, all of you who listen to our, our seminal episode on Death Race 2000 will know, these are both people who I have been directing in the local Act One Theater, Alpharetta, whatever it's called, production of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. And tonight... We're going to be doing something a little different. We're going to try to bring a bit of that play to you, to the audience. So the format's going to be different tonight. Especially since some of you are so far away in Australia. Yeah, I mean, you guys could have made an effort to come, but whatever. We're not mad. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we are going to talk a little bit. Because we do the, you know, look on the show, we talk about how movies are made. We talk about the the, the writing. We talk about the characters, things like that. We always do it very tongue-in-cheek, and, we, and this will be too, but we're going to talk tonight a little bit about how, as actors, they bring these characters to life. And we're going to get some samples of uh, of some scenes from the play. If you're lucky. So. Oh, those be lucky. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting lucky tonight. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, that's oh, Shakespeare. It's be that kind of an yeah. episode again, <laughs> that, isn't it? That, that's Shakespeare for you. There's there's rape. There's murder. There's I mean, there's slut shaming. Oh yeah, mm. big time yeah. slut shaming. Well, so okay, I want to. For those of you who uh, who don't know, Darth, you play Beatrice. Yes, I do. And Adam, you play Benedict. Benedict. No, nice. Not, he not, got the pronunciation. Not Benedict. Benicool. Uh, yeah. No. Benedict. That joke never gets old. <laughs> Does the fun ever start? Did you see I put it in the episode description? Yes, I did. Very good. So my question, first and foremost, is who who are these two people? I mean, they're, they're obviously they're at the center of the play. So if I'm a prospective audience member or if I'm just somebody who wants to, uh, you know, read some Shakespeare, why would I want to watch or read about Beatrice and Benedict? And I'll, I'll throw it to whichever one of you wants to to respond to that i'll i'll start you know it's interesting the more i've gotten into the characters and the more i read the play and the more i performed in this show the more i began to see similarities in certain things of my own particular youth that that occurred and it's really interesting because the play starts off where beatrice and benedict are just at odds with one another oh yes the hate is palpable and you have to ask yourself why? Why is it that way? And I'll tell you, I remember as as a young lad in high school where there were there were particular women that I really, really liked, but I would hide it in witty retorts and comebacks that almost became adversarial. Well, it, it, it's sort of the, uh, you know, you pull the hair of the girl you like. I was just yeah, about to say absolutely. that. Yeah. Well, that's why your mo- girls grow up with their mothers telling them, oh, if a boy is mean to you, that just really means he likes you. So that that was something that really came to mind when I was workshopping with you to be Beatrice because, they, and it's like they say, there's a fine line between love and hate. Usually 
indifference is what really marks the fact that you don't care about somebody they can't affect you but it, you're right we actually do start kind of hating each other in the beginning of the show and i i sincerely think that there was we were an item oh yeah we talked we about that an item. at one of our workshops because it it to me it gives me the feel that maybe we were together when we were young we fell in love and maybe like first love where it's the most intense kind and that's why beatrice and benedict both They've got a witty remark or comeback for just about anything anyone else on the planet can throw at them. But the two of them are the only ones that can really get under each other's skin and bother each other. Well, as actors, when you're preparing for these roles, you know, do you do you have a process or did you how did you get to know these characters? Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll start. It's interesting because one of the exercises that you wanted us to go through is to have coffee with the character. Right. Yeah. You know, just think to ourselves, we're having coffee. Well, I didn't need to have coffee because I'll tell you, in many ways, I am Benedict. <laughs> Benedict. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I've just had those situations in my life where I was... I've been cruel to, or mean to a girl or a woman that I really, really, really liked. And, of course, in real life, nothing ever came to fruition. And I, I, have, I have serious regrets Poor over Adam. that. Luckily, Benedict is able to turn it around at the end. Well, isn't that the great thing about Shakespeare? You know, he, here he is writing 400 years ago, and the themes are just as good, just as valid today. Yeah, they still apply today. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I found. I I'll agree with you on that, Adam. I actually see parts of myself in Beatrice because that was one of the things that I knew when I was younger. Like you were saying in high school, one of the reasons why boys would even like me in the first place is because I would shoot their insults and their nonsense right back to them. I could actually hang. Unlike some girls who would just be like, "You're mean," or they would cry or get upset, and I would just be like, "Oh, okay, we're doing this. All right." And I don't know. It was just, it was kind of fun, almost banter like. Well, there's nothing more attractive than someone that can meet or exceed your wit. Yeah, oh, and yeah. push back. Well, yeah, and I, I've I've said that to uh, you know going as far back as you know in high school, talking to girls who were you know why why don't guys like me? And you know, men really do like strong women. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you bet we the, do. The wilting daisy image is just—it's not something that that might be appealing at a certain stage in your life, but we all know that the wilting daisy, especially when you get to be our age, wilting daisies are going to be a pain in the ass because you're always going to be having to take the wilted daisy and straighten it back up again. Yeah, Where, they're almost like dead weight. And you yeah. just, especially yeah. when it comes to being together for a longer period of time, because back in high school, the wilting daisy thing could work for a lot of guys because mm -hmm. you're not typically going to stay with the girl in high school very long. I, you know, they the relationships are kind of short-lived. Well, so. and, and you can kind of uh, contrast uh, Benedict to somebody like Romeo. Because Romeo, oh, is, Romeo is a kid. Yeah, an idiot kid. He's an idiot. He's a young idiot kid. I uh, think you're 14 and you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, and, and whereas Benedict has been to war, he's fought, he's loved, he's hated, he's done all this stuff, and he's he's a man. And you could not pair, say, Hero with Benedict. It would never oh, no, work. It would no, never no, work. No. It would be a complete failure. So, okay. So when you're, when you're trying to, you know, when you're on stage, because, mm -hmm. you know, there is a lot of interpretation 
that can be had with any of Shakespeare's uh, plays. You know, you can do dark, you can do light. When you see the relationship between Benedict and Beatrice, is it is it a lighthearted thing or is it is it a serious, you know, they have issues sort of thing? Where do you go with that? I don't know. The way I see it is going back to what Adam and I were saying, how it appears that we might have been an item when we were younger. I think it's it's more serious than they would like people to think it is, which is why they they have that banter and that back and forth. And I, I, they're trying to make it look more lighthearted than it really is to both of them. Right. And they're trying to hide that from each other. Well, let's talk about a specific scene. I, I don't know if um, if the two of you have talked about a specific scene that you wanted to discuss. Do you have anything in mind? Nothing in particular. Okay, I mean, good. Lean the, on you, Jason. The, the fir- well, you know, early on we have a you know we have the scene where Benedict and Beatrice meet again after a certain amount of time. We don't know how long. Yeah, he's been off at war. She's been back home, and yeah, yeah, they've it, been separated for a while. And, and it's very vague. I mean, they might have been gone for a few years. They might have been gone for a few months. Who knows? But they get back together, and Benedict enters the scene in his usual wisecracking, snarky way, mm-hmm. only to discover that his lady disdain <laughs> is lur- still alive. Is still alive <laughs> and is lurking. Do you yet live? <laughs> as, as David Tennant said it. So I'd, I'd like to talk about that scene. You you two did it as a sort of a, a, a Hepburn and Tracy sort of you know it, it 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 was light it was it was tit for tat that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but it was fun and it was light. Could it have been something different if you had wanted to? Could you have taken it you know more absurd? Could you have taken it darker, uh, more serious? I could definitely have taken it more seriously because one of the things that I looked at when we were just doing this play is as much as they don't want to admit it, Benedict and Beatrice are obsessed with each other because it, he she starts the show out talking about him. Right. Uh, when she finds out all the soldiers have come back from war, he's the first thing she the, asks yeah, about. Yeah, the first thing she thinks her, of. Yeah, her first line is asking, you know, Senior yeah. Montanto returned from the wars? Yeah. And it just, uh, then she proceeds to sort of make fun of him behind his back so it definitely could have gone darker because you get the feeling that she's a little bit bitter about however their initial relationship ended could you have played them as people who are both damaged what do you mean by damaged well everyone's damaged yeah, in some way yeah, shape yeah. or form and i know benedict of course is yeah he is yeah, yeah and 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 i beatrice is too agreed but could you could you have well why don't we do this? Why don't we actually go into a scene if you would if you would indulge me? Absolutely. Sure thing. And let's let's just do act 1 scene 1 and we can start with uh, I think the the first thing that what is the first thing Beatrice says uh, I wonder that you will still be yes. talking. Well, why don't I lead in where yeah, I don't that's... know she's there. Right, yet. right. And I'm having fun. <laughs> right. Making a joke, thinking I'm on top of the world until guess who shows up. Okay, so everybody, this is a segment of Act 1, Scene 1 of Much Ado About Nothing. If Senior Leonato were her father, she would not have his head on her shoulders for all of Messina as like him as she is. I wonder that you will still be talking, Senor Benedict. Nobody marks you. What, my dear Lady Disdain, are you yet living? 
Oh, is it possible to stay in Shaddai while she hath such meat food to feed it as Signor Benedict? Courtesy itself must come to disdain if you come in her presence. Why, then, is courtesy a turncoat? But it is certain I am loved of all ladies, only you excepted. And I would I could find in my heart that I had not a hard heart, for truly I loved none. Oh, and a dear happiness to women, else they should be troubled with a pernicious suitor. I thank God in my cold blood. I'm of your humor of that. I would rather hear my dog bark at a crow than hear that a man swear he loves me. Well, God keep your ladyship still in that mind, so some gentleman or other shall escape a predestinate scratched face. Oh, and scratching could not make it worse than towards such a face as yours were. Why, you are a rare parrot teacher. Bird of my tongue is better than a beast of yours. I would my horse had the speed of your tongue and so good a continuer, but keep your way in God's name I have done. Ooh, you always end with a jade's trick. I know you of old. And that last line, I know you have That's a big one, yes. Mm -hmm. that, that says a lot about their relationship. This that happened has happened... We're, we're just many witnessing something before. that has happened so many times. And it, she's basically calling him out for opting out of their arguments. Yeah. And that's where I think it's... They, there is a lightheartedness to it because I, deep down, I think they both enjoy the back and forth. Well, I think... Yeah. yeah. And I, I was just going to add... It was interesting when I originally took the character, I thought, you know, he's a guy who is the most witty person in the world, and <laughs> nobody can top Benedict. But the more I began to read through it, the more, the deeper I got into the character, the more I realized that he was bested every single time mm -hmm. by Beatrice. Yeah. Especially at the party scene. Oh my gosh, I thought I had her. I thought yeah. I had her at the party, you know, because she didn't know who I was. Well, she got she got so under his skin <laughs> in the party scene. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and and I could do nothing about it. I was no. a, a prisoner in my yeah. mask, as she's just ripping me a new one right there on stage. Yeah, you were trapped in a hell of your own making because well, you you set that up thinking that you had one over on me, and I figure it out. Well, and if you think about it. He could have just taken his mask off. He could have taken his mask off and said, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no, but then she wins even more because yeah, he yeah. can't stand to be insulted. Like, I don't know. I yeah. think she would have won the battle even harder in that case. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And, and is Don Pedro the only reason that this time it's different? I would argue that it's not. I, I'm not sure I understand what well, you're saying. Well, think about it. Okay, so they, they have matched wits. There's a merry war betwixt them. You know, they, they, they're constantly bickering and they're doing all this stuff. And we know that at the end of the play, they're going to end up madly in love with each other. Yeah, but we at the moment... So. Yeah. yeah, we never yeah. know. It's but, Shakespeare. I might drive a well, stake through her heart. That's yeah. true. <laughs> what am I, a vampire? Yeah. Uh, doesn't it, matter to the stake. It, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, no. Yes. But... Yeah, and I mean, Don Pedro is kind of ultimately the master manipulator because he sits there telling the entire court, you know what, those two, despite their sniping, those two are perfect for each other. I'm going to make sure they get together. So, yeah, I mean, his machinations really, I, I think they make a big difference. Well, there, there are so many ways you can interpret it, different aspects of the play. One way that I was looking at it is, Don Pedro and Benedict, they've been out together for a long time. They've seen things. They've been fighting. They've probably had some pretty deep conversations. It almost makes me wonder if Don Pedro has already heard a confession from Benedict. Maybe he was drunk and he actually said, you know, you know, I really do love her. 
Don Pedro comes in and he does. I'm gonna I'm gonna undertake one of Hercules' labors, mm-hmm. and I I will I will join them in a mountain of affection or or whatever he says. And then as the audience, we think, okay, well Don Pedro does this harebrained scheme, and which they, is funny considering he proposes to me, yeah, in the show. Yeah. So and. But you, you get the feeling he's kind of the quagmire. He'll go after just about any lady that's within <laughs> I, his I, proximity. I think so. Or, see, but you can interpret it. A bunch. You could say maybe Don Pedro thought, well, Benedict does love her, but I know she doesn't love him. So they're not going to end up together. So I'll make a move on Beatrice, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Uh, I mean, you could literally, you could imagine a prequel to Much Ado About Nothing in a thousand different directions. Yeah. It, but maybe there's a reason why Benedict and Beatrice fall for this absurd plan so easily. Because they both want to. It just Yeah. And maybe that's why Don Pedro suggested it in the first place, was because he already knew. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. This is how I also map it back to my life. I you know, I was in the Navy, I traveled a lot, and a lot of my friends got married very early, right out of college. Fools. Uh, <laughs> I'll plead the fifth on that. <laughs> it's a personal thing. Oh, I see you have your finger on the button there, just in case I say the eject button. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but many of my friends got married early, and then I was still single. And when your friends fall, you find yourself connecting with a younger demographic. Yeah, yeah. Younger. yeah, yeah. And then that layer goes, mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know, you're like this. I'm not going to say middle aged, but an older more mature gentlemen hanging yeah. around with all these chippies. Mature. <laughs> yes. Mature. <Yes>. Chippies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these young early 20-somethings, and it's just like, why Ooh. is that guy with them? Because he is trying to extend his youth yeah. as long as possible. Yeah. But you eventually get to a point where this is just not working anymore. <laughs> a man yes. loves the meat in his youth, but he yeah. just cannot endure oh, it in his age. Exactly. <laughs> not what you're thinking, okay? It's a different meat. <laughs> yeah. Anyway... <clears throat> So that's where... That, where t- that tends to be a lifelong thing. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> but, off and running, fellas. Off and running. All right. And I truly think, you know, Benedict, he was squeezing everything out of that, that life, that lemon, that Claudio, right? And then when yeah. Claudio fell, it's, what am it's, I going to do now? Right. It's almost like he betrayed you in a yeah. way. I was very upset about that. He was my last bud that we yeah. would go out partying with. And yeah. now he's... Can I marry another well, woman and leave me by myself? And clearly, he's had many friends who have done this because um, Beatrice says in the in the beginning, you know, who is it? I don't remember the line. He has every month a new sworn brother. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's a step process. Well, and see, that's the thing is they've got, she's got a really good beat on him. Uh, oh, yeah. She knows exactly who he oh, is. Oh, she knows him. She like It's kind of exactly what Adam was just saying. Beatrice understands all of that about him already. Yeah. And she knows that he's got a new friend every month because uh, maybe they're dropping off and getting married. But Beatrice is kind of similar in this, even though the n- not getting married, the stakes are much higher for her. Yes. Back then, at yes. least. Because there's no... You know, like today, if I chose never to get married, that's fine. I can go yeah. buy a house, buy a car, have right. a job, whatever. But she doesn't have those kinds of options. No. She's going to wind up a nun or right. just well, leading some sort of solitary life. But yeah, she's and, still sitting there railing against the idea of having a husband. And she is not the heir to anything. No. As far as we know, she's not the heir to anything. No, Leonardo's responsible for her. Yeah. But I think that's what you said on our last episode because Benedict becomes her financier. Yeah, her financier. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, he, yeah. this is your financial burden now, Benedict. Yeah. Well, and of course, you know, 
it, it, there's a specific moment later in the play whenever Leonardo is talking to Claudio and he's he's telling Claudio, you know, well, you couldn't be my, my son-in-law, but you can be my nephew. My brother has a, a niece that is, you know, the like of hero, blah, 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 and is heir to every... The to sole me, heir to The sole heir to me and my... You know, like, I've got to throw that in there. Right. Well, because, money was important. Yeah, it's money part of the calculus, yeah. you know? There's no two... I mean, and that's a theme that comes up a lot, you know, in 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 Shakespeare. There's a there's sort of a, a flipped version of it in Hamlet when Ophelia is told by by her father Polonius basically well, uh no Polonius didn't say it I think Laertes said it to her where it's basically look you can't be in love with Hamlet you have to bear in mind he can't just marry whoever he wants yeah he has a financial obligation yeah. to marry yeah. somebody and there's means a stature. as well yeah. there's a stature exactly they have so, to be on similar levels right so he might fall in love with you but that's not going to be enough you no. know and it's 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 a very interesting window. Well, that was tough on us last year, having to explain to the uh, the younger lady who played Ophelia. She just, mm-hmm. uh, we, we think she was having trouble grasping uh, Ophelia's despair after Hamlet hit it and quit it, essentially. And uh, she just was not getting that. She would go, Well, he didn't quit it, no. She told him to go away because Poloni- oh, Polonius right. told her. That's right. Yeah, Polonius said, you've got to tell him you're not interested. And she did. Yeah, but she's still ruined. Like, oh, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we were trying I'm just saying, to convey... Don't, don't, don't make Hamlet out like he's... All right, you know, fair come enough. Come on, man. He's whiny. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, but, yeah, yeah we Unless were... he's Mel Gibson. Then yeah. he's not as yeah. whiny. Yeah, and he's, he's more stabby than whiny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, Freedom! But Mel Gibson did... One thing I love about the, uh, the Kenneth Branagh version of Hamlet is that they didn't do the whole did he have sex with his mom thing. Because yeah. I've read Hamlet probably... 20 times and i have never once read that and thought oh obviously he's having sex with his mom in the scene yeah that never really it's nowhere in the play Mm -mm. anywhere but every single even the mel gibson one they did it yeah it's like come on guys you're giving shakespeare a bad name and (laughs) you know leonardo dicaprio already did enough of that Mm, very much so shots fired (laughs) yeah (laughs) i hate romeo and juliet i love shakespeare but i hate romeo and juliet it's the worst thing he ever wrote one of the board members, Melody, from Act One actually posted something on social media, so I know neither of you saw it. Uh, it was a, a coffee shop that had one of those little chalk signs outside of their shop, and it said, Yeah, yeah um, Romeo and Juliet are not a great love story. They're a 17 and 13-year-old who fell in love with either, each other over the course of less than a week. Mm-hmm. Sincerely, everyone who actually read the play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then died. Yeah, and died. Oh, yes. so, and died. Can't forget that aspect yeah. of the story. In yeah. a very sick and twisted way. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And oh. listeners, Jason has a pretty awesome joke uh, that he told in, in front of our play the other night where he said, this is one of the least murdery plays that Shakespeare ever that. wrote. Yes. I, I was going to also say the least rapey, but I didn't know if the audience would <laughs> There were children it. in the yeah. audience. And there are children in the play, so <laughs> yeah. we probably don't is. go there. But there's, there's very little death and rape. I mean, it is really much ado about nothing. It's a, light, end, it's a lighthearted yeah, show. Yeah, it's a soap opera. Yeah. It's fun. It really is. And it's 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 so impressive that Shakespeare can write a play that is light and airy and fun. And then turn around and cook people into pies. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, but in the same play, though, you still get these incredibly emotional moments. Oh, yeah. I mean, the scene with uh, Beatrice and Benedict in the church after Hero is Oof. falsely accused. That one's a doozy. Mm-hmm. It's probably, in in my opinion, it's it's their best scene. It's 
it's probably from a literary standpoint, I think it's the best scene. From a play standpoint, it's the second best scene because I okay. love the party sequence. Yeah, I know I adore, you like the party. I adore the party sequence. That's... He likes me watching hand Adam's ass to him during the party <laughs> oh, scene. I know. And I just have to sit there and take it like a man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then you resolve. You know, then you get that great speech afterwards. Well, and the and the part is she comes out behind me even when I'm when I'm yes, oh, it's fan- verbally yeah. abusing her, right, left, top and bottom, forward uh-huh. and aft, and, and I alive. hear the audience laughing. I'm thinking to myself, I'm not saying anything funny, and then I got to remember she's behind yeah, me, yeah, and they're like, yeah. oh my god, he's gonna get it. Oh boy, <laughs> yep. is he gonna get it? I think Benedict. My favorite thing that Benedict says is. The, the the lines immediately after he sees that Beatrice. Has, oh, I would fetch you the. I yeah. love that. I love that so. It's just literally send me to the ends of the earth to get me the hell away from yeah, this woman. It, it's it's, it's it is oh, pure yes. <laughs> pure Shakespeare, and it's funny, and it's something that you could use in a movie today. Oh yeah, but it wouldn't have the same punch because it just you couldn't say thing like you know fetch you a. Well, what is it? What what is well, it? Will your grace command me any service to the world's end? And I'll tell you how I remember that line. Will and grace. Will your ah. grace <laughs> command me any service to the world's end? I'm wondering, I wonder. I was wondering if the show was named after that line. I don't know. I wonder. You know, that's a good question. Will and grace. <laughs> that's a very will very good question. Command me any service to the world's end. Interesting. I will do you any service to the antipodes now that you would command to send me on. Etc. Yeah. Et none. And meanwhile, none I'm but just to desi- desire your you. good company. Oh God, sir, <laughs> that is a dish I love not. I cannot <laughs> endure my lady tongue. And that's and, she's got a tongue on her. Well, yeah, and and what's great Ooh. too in that scene is that that you, Beatrice, have no lines there, but you were able to give so much <laughs> characterization ju- in the silent acting. Well, the fan helped. Well, yeah, the fan, I mean, the fan helped, but there was the whole time, and, and that's another thing about Shakespeare, is there's so much that's not written in the text, you know. Well, that's where you can have fun with it, honestly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. there's some amazing business in this show, oh, I yeah. tell you. Yeah. And as we became more comfortable with our characters and we began to add the little naughty Nuances. bits, so to speak, oh, yeah. it was good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What was your take? I know you, you had an interesting take on the part where Beatrice was... Well, in the play, Beatrice is sent to summon you into dinner. Oh, oh yes. yes. That but, was so great. But we made a change. We changed that to breakfast, and we made it the next day, and Beatrice, uh, Benedict was hungover. But you had an interesting take on Beatrice's whole sending you, bidding you to come into breakfast. Would thing. we like to give a little context of that scene and read it? Yeah, let's... let's yeah, well, read it. You... They're, they don't have to read it. They're not looking at their scripts. It's, I, it's I, burned I, into my brain forever. Yes. <laughs> I have the scripts in front of me, you know, because I'm just the director. I don't remember any of this stuff. Um, but they, they know it, which is an amazing accomplishment, by the way. The fact that you two were able to memorize... And I actually counted. You both have 728 million lines. That's the exact number. That's insane. And I absolutely am baffled at how you were both able to remember these lines. Well, that's a, I mean, what haven't we discussed with each other regarding these characters? That's another thing we talked about with um, our process. Apparently, it's pretty similar in the sense that we kind of start from the beginning 
and build on and build on and build on until we're through the entire play. That's just, I just, that's how I see it as kind of like building blocks because I I noticed you won't let yourself get through a scene unless you have all the lines. Like if you can't get all the way through, you go until you're a quarter of the way through and then halfway through and then three quarters of the way through. So, and I'm, I'm pretty similar in that sense. Well, and hearing did, other people speak helps me as well because I'm a very auditory person. Did uh, what? And I'm I am very curious, and I never asked either of you this. I mean, what was your what was your process away from everybody as far as learning the lines? I mean, did you did you run the lines with people? Did you? No, there's nobody that would have the <laughs> you don't have friends to do that yeah. with me, and that's why you know. When you hear the people, oh, I didn't have someone to run it with, so I can't learn the lines. It's like, oh, none of us did. Right. Yeah. It, it takes energy. It takes effort. It takes a lot of work. It Partic- takes... Yeah, particularly since it's not our day job, right? We have, right. We yeah. have other jobs. And it's not like memorizing something that was written today. No. Mm-mm. Because you can't just go... I mean, if you're memorizing a play that was written in 2019... As long as you know about what the character was saying, you can muddle right. your way through it. You can't do that with Shakespeare. Yeah, it's hard to... It's, I don't know. My dogs were very avid <laughs> listeners, I can tell you that. Um, but yeah, it's hard to just sort of summarize a Shakespearean line. You you really do need to get the words down. And right. I, I'll still transpose some of my lines a little bit. Like, I'll say one line ahead of another yeah. uh, if... I'm just not in the zone, but this, it's that's still... the stuff that nobody in the audience would ever notice. Yeah. Well, I, well I'm, of course, my background is in nuclear and chemical engineering, and I'm a I'm a project manager. So, so I, naturally, you're in a Shakespeare show. Na- yeah. yeah, it's a natural <laughs> transgression. I think Derek Jacoby was also. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's <laughs> right. I met him in, in uh, one of my classes. Sir Patrick Stewart. I mean, he used to fly a spaceship, so that's <laughs> kind of the same thing. But. Yeah. But I know that, that Jade was, was a little amazed because I had a sheet of paper with all of my lines on Oh, my God. This was amazing. And I counted all the lines, the number of lines, and I broke it down into how much I had to learn every single day to make it to the end of it. You to, had to, to make quotas. sure I was off that, book. The engineer's method. Yes. And you know what? Because I'm a big fan of engineers. It worked. It did. <laughs> and, and the reason was is I knew it was a lot of lines, and I didn't want to be caught at like a week before the show, saying, I've only got half of them learned, and there's just no way. If I stayed up 24 hours, there's no way I'd be able to learn them all. So I had to break it down into little pieces. Mm-hmm. And it, it was funny because all you know, the family was asleep, and I would literally be with my script pacing in my mm-hmm. office back same. and forth, running have the to line walk. over and over. And it would just be the same line, and I'd have to say it over and over. And what happens is the more times you repeat it, it just begins to sink into your, into your subconscious. Right. Well, I talked to an actor once and said it's like remembering a new phone number. He said, um, if you if you move to a different city or whatever and you get a new phone, uh, and this is you know he was an older guy, so it was before cell phones. He said you get a new phone number and you've gone years. Somebody asks you what's your phone number and you just spit it out, right, without even thinking. You don't even think about it, and you get a new phone number and all of a sudden you you realize, uh, 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 wait, it's got numbers, starts with a four. <laughs> See, for but, me, that's like aging. Like, you age a year, and people are like, how old are you? And I'm like, oh, 29? No, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. How old am I? And you just you just don't really just think stick about with it. 29. I yeah. like that. That's a good start, age. Start, <laughs> yeah, start celebrating. This is my first anniversary of my 40th birthday. You said uh, that the you week know. you turned 40? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's such a mom thing to say, Jason. Well, but see, I... I but, you know, we've, we've talked about this. I, I 
I have sort of been looking forward to 40. I, I, I actually, because one of the things that happened before the play was I, I found out that I would uh, cracked my patella. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. And I, I went to the orthopedist. It was and, painful just to read that text message. Yeah. Is that near your uvula by any chance? Where's your patella? <laughs> it's the bone It's the bone oh. that floats <laughs> on top of your knee. Got yeah. It. Got it. Okay. Um, I, why are you so red? Uh, I'm burning up. Oh, it is hot in here. Yeah. Well, why don't you... Reach up that there and making uh, me laugh. Yeah, roll, roll it back to like 65. This is some inside baseball stuff right now. This in the studio. We're live changing temperatures. Linda does I it made better. It back. Oh god. <laughs> it's I gotta take my shirt off. <laughs> no, no, don't do it. Yeah, it might be red because you guys are talking about some relatively inappropriate fare. Double entendres. Relatively, but it's Shakespeare. There are a lot of those in Shakespeare. Oh, I mean, look, yes. in, in, I remember. Oh, I even have a. I've got a yeah. couple of good lines that are very. Double you've got. You've got a the lot. The uh, my favorite is actually from Hamlet. Whenever uh, Ophelia says something, and this is after Hamlet started to go off the rails, and he says, "Do you mean country matters?" Ooh, and I yes. remember my my teacher uh, in college saying, "You know," as she said to us, "She goes, you're supposed to say cunt." Re matters. matters. Oh yes. God! Yeah, and that is that Shakespeare. So I'm not bleeping that because that's Shakespeare. That's right. You know, Fair and you added I a don't re after the it. exactly. I mean, it's amazing to think if Shakespeare just said, F "We could just say it all day long." You know, it would, it would be, be considered it would be Shakespearean. Oh, yeah. Shakespearean. <laughs> you know, that's not cursing, Mom. What if I if I go back in time? I'm going to go. Will you got to just put, yeah. yippee, you slip one in at one point just in 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 this Titus Andronicus just say yippee ki yay mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, we forgot to incorporate a word that we agreed on. We were supposed to say squanch to each other at some mm, point during yes. the show. You know, yeah, in honor yeah. of David Carradine. Yes, yes. Mm. <laughs> Are we back there already? Uh, we were going to go the whole episode without saying autoerotic exertion. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I didn't say it. I so, said squash. I, I think, and I'll have to go back and listen to the tape of this episode, but I don't think so far I've said autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> you have not. You haven't. Yeah, That's I haven't. why I had to break the ice. Now yeah, both so. of the boys have said it, listeners, so it's very exciting. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Uh, you're, you're shaking, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... Oh, back I'm to, in a, well, I'm in well, a small so room with two men yeah, talking so about... So there's a play. Yes. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'll just... I'll add, there is another line that I use early on where... I'm talking with Claudio, and he just thinks Hero is the cat's pajamas. Oh, he instantly out. falls in love with her. The dog's And I say, you know, and I talk about, I talk about her cousin. And if right. she were not possessed yes. of the fury, yes. what exceeds her in beauty as much as the first of May, that's the last of December, right. which is, wow, she is hot yeah. if she weren't such a flaming. Well, <laughs> see, and, th and that's the thing. Yes. I think Benedict, most of the play, Benedict is making these, they're not Freudian slips, they're sort of Shakespearean slips. Yes. Yeah. Where he's really, I mean, if you, you know, if you if you do the whole subsequent viewing thing, you will realize he's kind of putting his cards on the table pretty early on, you know. Well, she does too. Uh, when yeah. she's in the, it's right before the party scene where she's speaking to her uncle and hero and she's sitting on the couch and like I think I mentioned it on one of our previous podcast episodes is that she when when they're not around each other they're still talking about each other right. throughout the entire yeah. show. They both have rented space in each other's heads. Is that, exactly. Yeah. Like it, one of the one of her lines is talking about oh an an excellent man would be somebody like Benedict if he didn't right. talk so much right. like Right. So it just, they're both talking about each other constantly or sniping at each other when they're well, together. Well, and it all, I think, 
comes down to Benedict's line, you know, we are too we are too wise, wise to move peaceably. peaceably. To squanch yes. peaceably. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we are too wise to and that was me trying to put us on an equal an equal yeah. bearing. Whereas yeah. she once again always gets the best of it. Yeah, she does. It's fun. It is good. Did either of you at any point when you were after you'd been cast did you watch any of the movies or did you did you see anybody's interpretation of these characters? I didn't want to this close to the play because, like I said, I'm very auditory. So if I hear Emma Thompson yeah. do a Beatrice line a specific way and I think it's great, I'm probably just going to end up yeah. Yeah. mimicking that. So I, I wanted it to be totally me. I didn't want there to be any sort of copying going on. So no, I... I I saw the Kenneth Branagh version many moons ago when it came out in the 90s, but I haven't watched it recently. I, I had seen the Kenneth Branagh version, and when I saw that movie, I said, I want to play Benedict. Well, there you yep. go. And that there was you go. in 1994. And it's, it, it took a while. Yeah, and it's a great, oh. great... It, well, you know, and you you didn't recall the movie. Because I, I said something to you after our first performance, because I was in the same... I haven't seen it in a very long time. Well, I I didn't watch it at all. I was tempted to watch it many times when we were rehearsing, but it's sort of the same thing. I didn't want to be you know contaminated by the movie and you know like sort of subconsciously try to do it like Kenneth Branagh. Exactly. But I will say, the church scene that you two did when I went and I finally did sit. Oh, the chair. It, yeah. It was so incredibly close. To the Kenneth Branagh Emma Thompson church scene, and they oh, were they wow. were they were in a little chapel, right. right down to the chair flip. I mean, at the same moment, the same cue, huh. exactly. And you know, we should I I should mention by the way, if you want to watch this, we do have we have a link, and I'll put it in this episode description. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty easy to it's uh, theateralpharetta dot com. That's where it's living right now. It's its current residence. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's on YouTube also, but that's the easiest way to find it is to go to Theater Alfreda, and and Darth will put it in the uh, in the show notes. But yeah, it was it was very impressive. You two essentially came up on your own with what Emma Thompson and the man who is arguably the the standard bearer of, of Shakespeare. Shakespeare right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, my one of my favorite bits that Rowan Atkinson ever did was in the uh I don't know if you if you guys ever watched Black Adder. I was aware of Black Adder. I have not seen Black yeah. Adder. Great show. He did mm -hmm. they did a, a special after the show went off the air, they did a special where Black Adder basically went back in time and and met all these famous historical figures and he meets Shakespeare and uh he he runs into Shakespeare and he's like, Who are you? And he goes, I'm Kenneth Branagh <laughs> And Shakespeare says <laughs> Who the hell is Kenneth Branagh? <laughs> and then Blackadder says, I'm going to tell him you said that when I see him. <laughs> That's magnificent. That is fantastic. But Poor no, Kenneth Branagh. But, but you both can't. Well, I, I love, I mean, I'm a huge Kenneth Branagh fan. No, um, Gilderoy Lockhart from Harry Potter. For the younger listeners out there, yeah, yes. what's Harry? Po oh, that's the thing at Universal. Yes, yes, the thing with the wizards and the wands and whatnot. Well, whatever. Yeah. Um, it was a big deal a while back. It was. I think it still is. Oh, my big kids time. love it. No, it's huge. It, it's it's not as big as it was. There uh, there are fewer grown. I I remember it when it has it came its own Cards Against Humanity. I'd say it's it's faring pretty well. Well, no, I mean I'm not saying it's not big. It's just it's it's not quite the cultural phenomenon 
that it used to be. Well, yeah, when the books yeah. were out, I mean, uh, a trailer full of the books that Barnes and Noble <laughs> was stolen uh, was storing for the release date of the fifth book, Order of the Phoenix, was stolen. So, You're kidding me. No, somebody stole. So an somebody, trailer somebody, full of somebody books. risked a lengthy jail sentence. Uh huh. To steal the fifth book before it was released in bookstores. See, I think that whole spirit, and I, I can see that. But that was completely burned out of me by The Phantom Menace. Because when The Phantom Menace, when the tickets went on sale for episode one of The Phantom Menace, my best friend and I, we literally spent the night at the movie theater with a group of people. I mean, a huge group of people. People had were bringing furniture. There were couches and beds out there. All that effort. And then you had to watch Phantom Menace. And that is, exa- that that, that is exactly why... <laughs> I instantly became a cynic the day we actually went in and saw the movie. As soon as we, as soon as Jar Jar showed up on screen, I became a cynic. That was it. All my youthful oh, exuberance no. died that day. <laughs> I think Jar Jar Binks did that to a lot of people. Yeah, he did a lot of. People. But to be fair, and I always have to say this about Jar Jar, the act Ahmed Best, the actor who played him. We have nothing but love for you. Yeah, you're awesome. It's you're just, you're an awesome person. Terrible. Please get healthy, and, and we know you're and, listening. And, and please do not. <laughs> Because he was he was suicidal. He was going to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, he yes. was literally. Because it, everyone hated Jar Jar Binks? Because so many people were sending him personally oh, death threats. These horrible. idiots. That, well, that happens in Hollywood all the time. Yeah. When Jeffrey Dean Morgan took over as Negan in The Walking Dead, right. people were sending him death tweets and death letters and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, f*** you if you ever send a yeah. death threat to an actor. I love Negan. Yeah, Negan's awesome. He's an equalizer. Look, he's Je- the way Jeffrey things should Dean, be run in a, in a planet like that. He's, right? Jeffrey he's Dean the antagonist. He's Look, sw- he changes things. I, I became a fan of Jeffrey Dean Morgan in The Watchmen. God, yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. In, in wa- Watchmen. I was going to zone out for a second. Yeah, okay, there you go. She's off dreaming. <laughs> She's looking he is so incredibly perfect. As the For comedian yeah. in the Watchmen, he I mean, it. oh God, it, it it's it's awesome, you know. Um, but yeah, but you know, sending death threats to it. If you ever it's have so the stupid. urge to send a death threat to an actor, just His, I'm here to make the distinction for myself and Adam as well. Uh, we're not actually Beatrice and Benedict. Just so you guys know, we just play them in a show, right? <laughs> Well, wait. Yeah. Speak for yourself. Okay? Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. I got, I got a Benedict. I got a Benedict moment. And, he, you know, I, and I told he's you, gone super method. I told you that <laughs> you know I, I was living at a certain time when you know everyone was getting married. I kept ratcheting down, ratcheting yeah. down, ratcheting yeah. down. And what made me remind, what reminded me of this story was you were talking about Harry Potter, and I was dating, well, let's just say an age inappropriate woman. <laughs> Uh, considerably younger than me. So age inappropriate meaning awesome? <laughs> well, then you're pulling a Jeffrey Dean Morgan because his wife is something like 20 years younger than he is. But it was it was, it was was funny because, you know, the whole team was about the same age as her and I was the more mature gentleman, but I was still cool, right? Because all of my friends got married. But then when we went... You knew about fax machines yeah. and hula hoops <laughs> and whatever it was these kids were. <laughs> I knew. And, her, and so did her parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we were about the same age. And the funny thing was, is she I'm sure to, they were thrilled at this match. <laughs> she, oh, well, she asked me, what are your intentions? I'm like, oh my God, okay, let's end we're this. I mean nothing but honorable marriage for her. <laughs> I said, no, we're just having fun. This isn't going anywhere. But, but she used to call me Which Peter. Which women love to hear. <laughs> she used to call me Peter Pan, right? Because I was ageless. 
But then the odd thing is, she was a big Harry Potter fan, and she, you know, said, "Hey, let's go back to my place, right?" And I went back bow, to her bow, room, bow. and it was decorated with a Tinkerbell motif. <laughs> you have no one to blame but yourself in this scenario. <laughs> the moment I, it was all pink, the pink bedspread, Tinkerbell toys, <laughs> oh, you're all killing Disney. Me. And I walked in as a right now. gentleman in, let's just say, his mid to late thirties, and I was like. <laughs> Okay, it's time to be Hit a little the bit more. I got up worse, Beatrice. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I went and I tracked down Beatrice and I married her. It's so. a bit Japanese. <laughs> it was, <laughs> if I'm it was very anime. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's sort of like the first time, and <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm going to tell the story. The first time I ever actually, <clears throat> I was in, I was in high school. The first time I ever saw boobs. Oh, okay, it always. <clears throat> How did it devolve to this? Well. Actually, it was the second time. First, anyway, the, I was with this girl, and we went somewhere in a car, and we were, you know, you know, getting amorous. Lovers Lane. Yes. <laughs> and she wanted to put on some music, and I thought, mm. by all means. Oh no! <laughs> so she put Backstreet Boys. <laughs> no, no, God, I wish it was the Backstreet Boys. Oh no! She puts a CD in, and you know we are being amorous. And um, all of a sudden, the, this part of my brain sort of wakes up and goes, <laughs> "What am I listening to, dude? Dude, dude! I I know there's boobs here, but seriously, just <laughs> check out what what's playing." She was playing "Welcome to Pooh Corner," <gasps> the soundtrack. Oh, I got a rumbling in my tumbler just thinking <laughs> yeah. about it. <laughs> oh, and I'm Lord. like, "Oh, okay, okay." <laughs> I. I you mean, specifically asked to stop and put this <laughs> CD in. Gets me in the mood. I guess. Yes. Maybe it was a subliminal message. I, I don't know. Was that there could mean something oh, else? Was it in? Like oh. she was the Pele of. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> no, the word. No, not <laughs> on this episode. I forgot oh. the word. I don't know what it was. Oh my god! <laughs> I bet well, that put a little black rain cloud over your evening. <laughs> Well, no, you know, surprisingly, I got past it pretty quick. <laughs> As a man will yeah. often do. Jeez. I I just knuckled up and thought of Britain and Margaret <laughs> <laughs> Thatcher naked on a cold day. I want to I want to steer back to the show for a minute. Oh right, there's a show just for a minute, <sighs> and there is one scene where where Beatrice and I, Benedict, are kind of laying out our souls and and sharing how we really feel. It's and very it's, tender. It is wonderful. And in oh, fact, it's a very good scene. It's, it's amping up. It's amping up. It's amping up where she's telling me she loves me. I'm, first, I'm insisting. I tell her I love her. Then she I, I, I give really... that not so, subtle hint, not so subtle hint that by my sword, thou lovest me. I'm telling her that she loves me. And she finally admits that she loves me. And then, you know, I'm feeling a little amorous at the moment. <laughs> I say, come, bid me do it. Anything for thee. Yeah, I'm hoping great, that she was going to ask me line. just to grab her boobs. Yeah, we're we're, we're alone in the yeah. church. What better place? So this is right. yeah, yeah, to get need, a fondle. He man. needs a wingman. Who was going to do? Don't don't. <laughs> dude, you ask your girl. She's going to tell you go kill your best friend, man. Oh, and then she turns and tells me to kill my best friend. It is a buzzkill. <clears throat> well, what's hilarious is the last show we got laughs out of out of. That I know. Moment. I couldn't believe it. I, know, I couldn't yeah. either because well, I. I it's like you said, I, Adam and I are very in the moment with that kind of love scene that's going on, and I'm confessing my love for him. He's confessing his love for me, and I, you know, I'm looking him in the eyes, and then I turn, and my expression hardens, and Come, I demand. Let's do it now. Come, 
bid me, and I've got a big smile on my face, come bid me do anything for thee. Kill Claudio. <gasps> yeah. Uh, that's not what I was hoping yeah. for. Oh. I gotta cross my no. legs now so I can no. stand up. Yep. No. Oh, wah, wah. Oh. oh not for the wide, wide world of sports. You kill me to deny it. Farewell. Uh, and then it just goes south. Yeah, it does. Well, really cool. yeah, Sheriff and, and it, it was interesting because I'm glad you guys said that because I noticed it too that you got to laugh. Yeah. And I wondered when the audience laughed. Is like, is it an awkward laugh? Well, I think they laughed like, for exactly the reason that Adam was just playing out. Eyes, I'm all excited, and then she tells me to kill my best friend. That, there's yeah. nothing funnier than that. Yeah. Because we, and I think it was rookie just mistake, the, man. I think it was the gear shift in the moment, though, because we're yeah. make, we go from making eyes at each other, holding hands, and we're we're very close, and then I demand that he murder somebody, which is not usually what happens when you're confessing your love for someone else so it's just yeah that only happens about 20 percent of the time i mean i've only asked at least two guys to do it so yeah i've been asked once but you know and i said i would but then i didn't (laughs) no (laughs) follow through that's always been your problem will you sleep with me if i say i'm gonna kill him (laughs) (laughs) once that's done then yeah oh then that that asshole is dead (laughs) right Man, you She's fellas not, are very motivated. Well, they never pay up until the deal deed is done. Yeah, That's the problem, yeah. you know. So you gotta do wow. It. You gotta kill him. That's because we know y'all's minds better than you think we do. Mitty, so we say we are none. <laughs> no, it, it's and one of the things I like to think about with with Shakespeare is that I like to think that he was thinking about similar things when he was writing it, and I and I like I maybe th- his own personal experiences. Well. well to, to your point before, styles change, times change, but human beings right. don't change. It doesn't matter exactly. what language they're speaking. Yeah. It doesn't matter the time frame. Men love women. Women love men. And things are going to happen mm. when they get together. Oh, yeah. I mean, Shakespeare, one of, the, one of the most valuable things about Shakespeare is that he gives this glimpse into... You know, he he gives obviously a glimpse into what was going on at the time, but he also has this way of capturing the fundamentals of what people are. Oh yes, you know. In fact, there was a uh, years ago there were there was uh, some uh, I don't know if they they were a doctor of something, and they had this whole theory of that childhood itself didn't begin. You know, the concept of childhood didn't begin until the Victorian era, meaning. People really just viewed their children as labor sources and things right. like that. <clears throat> of course. But the the ultimate counterpoint to that was actually Shakespeare. Because Shakespeare, and I think it was in oh, it was it's one of the one of the the King plays. I don't remember which one. Okay. But the, you know, Shakespeare actually talks about he has lines where he has a father talking about his son who died. His little his little boy who died. Right. And, you know, it, it's you know, death uh, death wears his clothes. Death looks like him and walks up and down the halls mm-hmm. and torments me. And and Shakespeare, by himself, and he didn't know he was doing it at the time, but that paragraph alone was enough to completely destroy this guy's premise. Because it was like, no, childhood existed back then. People aren't different. We're the same as we are. People are people. You know, my kid the other day, he said, he said, why are basements so scary? And I said, well, it's easy. He said, I'm I, home alone. Well, 
you know, I the furnace in Home Alone. You know, I read an interesting fan theory about Home Alone. I'll, I'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, that uh, uh, the the old man, you know, the yes. the guy lo- was actually a supernatural being who <laughs> he was responsible for everything. Yeah, mm, it's it's an, yeah, that's deep. But I told him, I said, look, I said, thousands of years ago, when when we were living in the wilderness, we would go into a cave and a cave was scary because you didn't know what the hell lived there. Right. right. Yeah. Could you be know? a bear, snake. Anything. Yeah. And I said, that's why basements are scary. It's it's the same part of your brain that's just saying, well, I'm going Fear into a cave. Unknown, yeah. yeah. People don't fundamentally change. They you don't. Know? Well, it's it, instinct. Um, we are, we are yeah. instinctive creatures. And face it, if... Women didn't have vaginas, and we weren't attracted to it. We'd have nothing to do with one another. Well, you and I had that discussion, we did. Jason. Yeah, about we, had, how we did. Men would still be living in caves. Yes, and none of this. We wouldn't have housing. <laughs> yes. We wouldn't have car. We wouldn't have anything if it weren't for women. Yeah, there, there's a huge, huge thing to be said about the fact that women, women ultimately direct the course of civilization. Hell, yes, we do. Well, no, they, they absolutely help men do. Realize their full potential. Yeah. Because face it, we'd be just sitting around watching sports. We were, wasn't look, for women. If it wasn't for women, why killing each other? Yeah. Oh, look, know. you see That's any guy, any, any guy who's out there, you know, like driving a Lamborghini and living in a big house, he's only doing that to get girls. Yeah. That's the only reason. You know, uh, yeah, it's fun to drive it, but really, oh gosh, no, yeah. The, the, the reason cost, you're, the maintenance, you're doing it just to get girls, especially if it's coated yeah. in velvet. <laughs> that was a Maserati. I know. <laughs> I've told so many people that story. Have you really? Yeah. Oh. The we 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 had dinner the other night. Uh, um, no, you told him. Oh, I did tell you. You yeah, did tell him. Oh, the Velvet Maserati. Yeah, I was, like, was going to talk about Dar- death Dar- Darth cars. and what do I call him? Grand Moff Tarkin or? <laughs> like he doesn't have a Star Wars nickname. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Okay. Um, but I, I have a funny story about buying a sports car. The midlife crisis. So I, I bought, <laughs> for a woman much younger than yourself, I assume. Well, I I bought a Porsche, which I still have. It's a Boxster. And it was you, funny. Uh, I Coxster? Was, <laughs> it's with a B, as in Bravo. Oh, sorry, sorry. Buh, buh, buh. Yes, NATO phonetic ca, alphabet. Ca. Get it together. It's different. But it was the funniest thing. I was actually with my, my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time. And we're driving with the top down. And we're going through a neighborhood. And it must have been a 13-year-old girl with full headgear. <laughs> full headgear. Maybe bouncing a ball or something. We're driving by. We have the top down. And she's like, Hey, mister, nice car. And I'm like, that is why I bought it. That's why you bought it. I bought it for that, and that was the only acknowledgement I got for all the money, time, and effort I spent on that. Finally, somebody appreciated it. It was full headgear, and it's funny because she was talking like, mister... That's a nice car. Well, but my to, to be just fair, busted though, out laughing. It was hilarious. But to be Aww. fair, though, the other people who were impressed by it were all the thirteen-year-old boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Too. One day they wanted you to grow up your to be you. Yeah. You can have this. Yeah. I can finally start saving for my Porsche Cayenne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gene. I uh, hate the Cayenne. Everybody with any sense does. Yes. Of yeah. Course. But, but yeah, uh, so sh- something about Shakespeare. Were we talking about Shakespeare? I, oh, I was about so. to talk about jaguars. Oh. Okay. Right, oh right goodness. Enough. Our discussion got heady there for a moment because it we tends to do because that. we just got a new car. What kind did you get? What did you get? The Velour. <gasps> the Land Rover Velour. Mm, it's not because it's, like, it's got that special safety feature. Wait, <laughs> yeah. if if you can't see out the back, is there a button you can push and the rearview mirror becomes a camera? I saw that in an ad today. That it's pretty. So it's cool. pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah. 
The only problem is that most of the electrical things on it don't work. <laughs> Did you buy it used? No, no, it's a lease. It's brand new. Wow, straight off the lot. Work? Straight, yeah. That's good English technology yeah. right no, there. No, my, my, my wife loves the fact that I keep telling her because, you know, Land Rover's owned by Tata now. They're owned um, by Breasts? What? Yeah, I've never no, seriously. Tata. What Tata, is it Tata? It's an Indian Indian car company. Oh, okay. Yeah, they make terrible cars and really good tractors. Nice, excellent tractors. Well, that's what you need to trade the Land Rover in for the yeah. tractor. So I kept telling her I'm going to get her a little Ganesh <laughs> put on the uh, on the hood. You know, oh I love Ganesh because I drive a Mercedes and Mercedes never breaks down until it's got sixty thousand miles on it. Then it breaks. Yeah, yeah. then it breaks down something. But fierce. until but until then, <laughs> runs like a like a Swiss one. I, I may not have a fancy a German V two missile. But it'll last me the next 15 years. Now, Shakespeare wouldn't have driven a Mercedes, I don't think. He would have driven an MG. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. He would, have, he, would have, he would have had the top down. Yeah. You know. He was an artist. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was cool never artist. a rich man. No. No. <sighs> no. You know, I, and this is, this is not off topic, but it, it has nothing to do with the play. Well, it's not like we've said anything off topic as <laughs> yeah, yet, no. so. <laughs> but do either of you, and, the, and, and feel free to say... Mind your damn business. Shut up. I don't, uh, nobody wants to talk about this. We're an open book to you, Jay. Shakespeare. Oh, speak for yourself. Shakespeare. There is a theory. Uh, I know where you're going yeah, with this. The, the theory that Shakespeare was not a, that there was not a single human being named William Shakespeare who that was there's responsible. there's a collective. Yeah, it's yeah. basically the, the. Like a Monty Python. Yeah, there, there's the, the. 15th century. The Stratford believers and the anti-Stratford believers right and and it, and look the anti-Stratford Derek Jacobi I was going to say Derek Jacobi he's an anti-Stratford and yeah. who's, who's the other guy that was in um, that espionage film with Tom Hanks who did a great job he played a Russian spy and I can't remember his name it was the over the bridge or oh bridge of spies bridge of spies yeah uh, he was fantastic and and as always you watch a film you're like this guy's fantastic. Where has he been all my life? And he's been a you yeah, know, he's, he's been, been a, yeah. an East End performer and <laughs> yeah. a Broadway performer. He's for been decades. playing the kings of England. Yeah, that's what he's been doing. Yeah, I remember when I saw the, the the movie. He said, she said, and this guy Nathan Lane. He's hilarious. What oh, took God, him Nathan so long? Lane. And he's like a Tony Award winning actor. Yeah. We well, Pat, to... Pat, Patrick Stewart. I saw an interview with Patrick Stewart where he said, you know, because he he was he was Shakespearean his entire career. Oh, yeah. And then he plays, you know, the captain of the USS Enterprise. And somebody said to him, you know, oh, you know, isn't that a step down for you or something like that? And he said, I honestly feel like playing the Kings of England my entire career has prepared me yes. to be hmm. Jean-Luc Picard. And if you watch, if you want, so. if you watch TNG, that's one of the amazing things about that show. He acts like a Shakespearean it's like if Shakespeare had written Captain Picard, that's, that's what, what it would, it would have be been. Like. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But no. So, do you have a position? Because I, I'll, I'll withhold mine, my opinion, because I have an opinion. Okay. On the Don't Stratford versus, I have an opinion on everything. <laughs> everything. So, so here's my thought: People did not get around back in the day as yeah. easily as we do today. Correct. And many of the details in these various Shakespearean plays are so, so specific that you had to be at that location mm -hmm. to know that there was a certain arch and it had so many stones and there's a specific reference. And it was Italy, you know, Italy, England, Scotland, all these different places. So I don't... Denmark. Den, yeah, Denmark. Yeah. And so my thought is that there was a William Shakespeare 
He was a real human being. But this team of writers got together and used his name as a pseudonym to market and perform the shows. I, I do not think that one individual could have written all those shows. And, and it was the Derek Jacobi interview regarding that that really triggered my mind to think, to go down that road. But I, I believe that. So there's no way to prove it, of course, but that's my thought. That's really, that's a much better theory than I have. Um, I've always preferred to think that there's just one William Shakespeare. That's where I land. Because maybe travel wasn't a very big thing, but we had letters. Not not text message where you're doing 140 characters at a time max. Actual letters that you send to, because like you said, Adam, people wouldn't travel much. So that's what they had to connect each other. So letters were much more in depth and that's where he could have gotten that description in my mind is if he has friends or family living in Italy and doesn't see them for years at a time, that's how they're communicating with each other. So maybe those are the, that's what painted the pictures for him for a specific article. You know, I I wrote a novel and it was terrible. Um, But (laughs) the one thing that I can say that was good about it was that it was set in England and it was set in a part of England that I hadn't been in before. Did it have anything to do with detectives? No, it was a science fiction novel. But um, I, 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 the novel was set in England, and the one thing that I can say about it was that the people that I know from England who read it were astonished to find out that I was writing about a part of their country I'd never been to before. Because I was very selective about the thing, the specific things I would mention were very selectively chosen. Mm. Now, the reason... I am a Stratford guy is because I believe there is one God and Bill Bryson is his prophet. 500 years from now, there's going to be a group of people performing a sketch called the Ministry of Silly Walks. Yes. And they're going to try to figure out who this brilliant person by the name of Monty Python was who put all of this magical hey, well, stuff by the way, More likely aliens. By the way, which one's pink? Mm. Excuse me. He gets it. You're too young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pink Floyd, The Wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. The yeah. one of the greatest albums ever made. One of, not the. I wasn't disagreeing with you. No, no, I was just qualifying it for the listeners. So. Oh, gotcha. In case you're making them irate with your CD well, choices right now. Pink Floyd is the greatest band ever, and if you disagree with that, um, you're an idiot. Right. Come <laughs> um, meet us here, and we'll take you down. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. There's another one pissing off all the listeners now. No, doing, I, we make everyone it. angry. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So Pink Floyd, the Wall, represents my personal evolution, because I remember, I when I first came out, I was very linear. I was like a budding military guy, and we don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Oh yes, you do. Yeah. You need the government to control you yep. and do what they say and do the pledge of allegiance and and be a good citizen and so on. But and then of course I spent many years in the service and probably believe that way. But then but then I left the service and I began to hang out with actors. You know, <laughs> artistic a folks. Bi- a bit different. Yes. Slightly you know, slightly different. Not necessarily, you know, marginally straight people. Yeah. You know, people of all walks of life, race, creed, and color. And then suddenly I began to understand their angle. Yeah, and I'm more now on the side of you know what we don't need no thought control. Yeah, I was I was in college, and I remember because I was, and I still am an introvert, but I, I'm no. Well, but I, I'm a different kind. I'm a different kind of introvert now than I was when I started college. When I started college, I was the introvert that 
wasn't, you know, it wasn't a good thing. Now I'm an introvert because I just don't like most you people. You hate everyone. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have. I look, it's amazing that you're here, Adam, because he hates most everybody. So I do. Okay. <laughs> and, but he hates us in a, to a lesser degree than most. Precisely. And that's where I want to Well, be. I'm a Capricorn. And, and something you have to understand about Capricorns is that it, being a Capricorn means once you're in, you're it's, in. It's, it's, you know, what, you mess with somebody who is in? Oh, oh I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And if I die in the process, that's fine. <laughs> because Capricorns, it's like, no, 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 I'm not going to be your friend. But when I become your friend, it's for life. Say I'm not a Capricorn, but I'm I'm pretty much in the what same boat. What are you? Pisces. You're Pisces. Aries. Aries. Ram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beatrice. Oh, <laughs> I'm the old goat. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <sighs> Pisces fish. Yeah, they drink a lot. They do. Yeah. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, Can I go one no. day no, without you know I'm doing it on purpose no, about now. that goddamn show? <laughs> I have yet to see one episode. I've never seen an episode, I, and I, I and one day I will watch it. You know, many people are urging me to hype, do so. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I'm a contrarian. As soon as everyone says it's the greatest thing ever, I yeah. instinctively say, "Community, nobody's tired of hearing about that." Hey, it was canceled. Three times. I'm, I'm fully aware. <laughs> and, and once again, moments ago, I presented to you probably one of the worst films ever produced. Oh my God. Strike Zone. And you said, I must have it. I, I, <laughs> I no, must watch no, it. No, yep. you, you can, keep, ga- you can keep Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm watching Strike, Strike Zone. Oh, we're watching that together. Yeah. That's going to be a future episode, listeners. Because Game of Thrones, hey, you know. Because it turns out Adam's a movie star. He is yeah, a movie somebody star. Somebody famous in Thanks our studio. Thanks to Jason. Hey, he hey you're a movie star too. Yes. Oh God, I suppose, yeah. Okay. You have a credit on IMDb? I do. The one single credit I've got on IMDb. I don't have a picture on IMDb. I've got to work on that. That's going to change soon. Yeah, we'll we'll fix that. For those of you who think that the only reason I'm complimenting these two actors is because they're they're here with me and they may physically harm me. I um, mean, you are in the corner of the room. Yeah, I know. The the rest of the cast. Let me let me just talk about some of the rest of the people here. We the the actress who plays Claudio on day 1 of rehearsal. She was so scared, so nervous, because there was so much emotion later on. You know, Claudio, early on, he's kind of a fluff character, but then he gets real damn serious. You bet, yeah. Real quick. Starts slut-shaming people. It's it's pretty intense. Well, I mean, you know, you're you're when you realize that you have killed an innocent woman that you had promised to marry, you know, that, that's pretty deep. And I told her, I said, look, you're not going to get this on day one. You're not going to get it on day 10. It's going to be a long time before you get this character. Mm-hmm. But you will get it. And she absolutely got it. Oh, and, she nails it. And the thing that impressed me the most is the scene with you when you, Adam, are, as Benedict, basically saying to Claudio, you killed an innocent woman and I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And her performance there is so appropriate. Oh yeah, yeah. It is. It, it's it's nuanced. It's it's subtle. It's excellent. Um, our Don Pedro. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's fantastic. Oh, she's I, absolutely. Really I yeah. love that person. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I was told about uh, uh, Jessica Williams plays uh, Don Pedro, and I was told about her early on. Whatever she does, she commits to. 
she commits to the character. Oh, yeah. And holy crap, I had no idea how much she committed to the character because she is Don Pedro. She kills it. Yeah. They they both do. I mean, you know, her or Denzel. Either one. I'm fine. Yeah. You know? No, they're, she's great. They're I actually, equally talented. I think she... I'm going to... This is going to sound like complete fluff and publicity. Pandering, perhaps? The first employer of pandas? <laughs> Troilus? I oh love I love that. <laughs> that is one of my favorite... I, there's so much that Benedict says that's so good. But she, I would take her over uh, Denzel's performance. Oh, Den- snap. Denzel does an amazing job playing Don Pedro very straight. And you have to admit that Randy is light years ahead of Keanu Reeves' performance oh from Kenneth Branagh. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which, I love, I love it. You know the the cane and the look and the stare. Oh, he's look just so menacing. And the beaded sweat on yeah. his forehead, probably from moving all the yeah. set pieces. But yeah, because uh, yeah, he does. Poor a lot well, because because he, he does. I mean, he does. He does a lot. Uh, of oh, look. Work. I mean, you know, look. One thing I, I've learned is uh, about being director is I've got the easiest job in the whole troupe. Everybody <laughs> else, everyone else, has a harder job than the director. You know, no, uh, Randy, Randy Bamfield, uh, who plays Don John. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I said to him at one point during rehearsal, and this is the reason he has the limp and the cane, is I said, you know, we've got you playing Don John, but you look like a leading man. Right. And Don John, everything that you can say about him. That's what my dad thought was playing Benedict, because he was was really excited. He said... Oh yeah, I really want to see this this then he, guy and the, and that you kiss in the this show. Guy. And what and he was like, then he was disappointed. He was like, he, he, he got over. He was like, he's got that big beard, right? I was like, no, that's Randy. Uh, that's a completely <laughs> different person, actually. But you'll see. So. Hey, everybody. Oh no, like my mom will not stop talking about how talented you are, Adam. She was oh. like, oh yeah. Oh no, you... my wife. I mean, that was you know, my wife. You know, basically, she said, whatever you do in the future, make sure that guy's involved. Yep. You know. Oh, um, I want to stay a part of this team. I'm really enjoying working with both of you. Eh, yeah, you're all right. Yeah. Maybe we'll keep you. Take me. Take me. Take me, please. Please. <laughs> all right. All right. That's kind Come of what you're hoping Beatrice you, would say in the, in the church. By this day, I take you for pity. But Randy's performance is Don John, though. Uh, I, I said to him, I said, we've got you here, but you look like a leading man. He does. And I said, we... we we have to do something about that because the one thing Don John shouldn't be is a leading, is a leading man. man. And he came up with all that. Yeah, he made it work. To he the just point invented where... this whole character. Well, and I know. think this show is filled with a lot of examples of that because Much Ado About Nothing is technically about Hero and Claudio. Technically, because yeah. Hero is, is Leonardo's good daughter who it's does what he line. tells her to. Yeah, this is through line. But it's it's about Hero and Claudio. But yes. then ben- Beatrice and Benedict come along and just upheave everything with their own drama. And meanwhile, because that's what they do. And no, you've exactly. got you've got Hero and Claudio who are going through this life and death thing. Yes. And Benedict and Beatrice somehow manage to make everything about them. Yes. <laughs> uh, they're very dramatic people. And then you have Don John who. Even in the Kenneth Branagh version, like, and it's not just because it's Keanu Reeves. Anytime I see a Don John, he doesn't really stand out that much to me. I know who he is. I know what he's trying to accomplish. But Randy turns him into a, a villain. A villain, yeah, a real villain. Yeah, oh my God. He d- yeah. I don't know how it, it's character just, you love to hate. Exactly. Everything about Randy's performance is awesome as Don John. But uh, yeah, because we're we're running around sniping at each other and ruining weddings and just all this other nonsense. But and Randy, make, making it all absolutely about yourself. 
Yeah. Well, narcissism is the it runs deep. core being. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and it's interesting too because you you talk about the the ways that you can play the character um, in the the Royal Shakespeare Company, the production with David Tennant and uh, Catherine Tate. Uh, Elliot Levy plays Don John. Okay. And he plays him in such a different way because he's just he's a smarmy small bitter character a rat-like character and i i love there's a part in the in, in that production where a kid who i think ends up sort of being you know the boy character which we didn't even we actually cut that whole part yeah we didn't have that going on but he he goes up to don john and he he holds up a Rubik's Cube, like, hey, you want this? And Don John takes a pack of cigarettes out and holds it out to the kid, and the kid takes a cigarette. Oh, and I went, that's that's Don John. Yeah. That's brilliant, <laughs> whoever came up with that. If you haven't seen the David Tennant, Catherine Tate, yeah. much ado, it's, it's, come on, it's David Tennant and Catherine Tate. I mean, what, yeah. That's really it, all the explanation you it need. It could be the David Tennant, Catherine Tate, Colgate commercial. My we'll leash, watch it. my leash, <laughs> yeah. my leash, my leash. <laughs> Is this a bothered face? Yeah. Are Yay, you Mary. Cooper by any chance? Yay, Mary, am I bothered? Mary, do it in Mary. or what? Oh, no, that's from the Catherine Tate show where she's oh, the, she plays okay. this insolent uh, student at a school and David Tennant comes in and he's the substitute for the day and uh, she's giving him... She's giving him some pushback on his accent. Are you the doctor? And he's like, they're, they actually, they're talking about Shakespeare. Yeah. And he goes, all right, we're going to be talking about the bird today. And she was like, excuse me, sir, I can't understand a word you're saying, sir. And he's like, all right, let's settle down. And she goes, no, but I can't understand your accent, sir. Are you English, sir? And he goes, no, I'm Scottish. And she was like, well, I can understand your accent, sir. And he's like, I'm not English, but I do speak it. And like, <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's really funny. I'll show it to you later. Do you but, fancy yeah. Billy Piper, sir? Do you fancy Billy Piper, sir? <laughs> and she just, uh, and she just schools him together. and busts out no a sonnet. Oh, it's great. Oh, Catherine Tate's great. Yeah. Oh, man. And David Tennant's great, too. The greatest uh, Scottish actor since Lemmy. I'll, I I'll go yeah, with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, Lemmy's awesome. L Lemmy Bruce? No, no, no. They're, they're... <laughs> the I comedian? Never, yeah, I... No, yeah. I, well, mm, there's a parallel there, but we won't go there. With with Benedict and Beatrice at the end, mm -hmm. and this is, I think, one of the things that I am so curious about. I wish I could sit with Shakespeare and ask him the question. So after the play's over, what? Uh, oh, I'd love to know what. What? Uh, what do you? How many children? Yeah, oh, mi mi Mr. Shakespeare. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Shakespeare. Mr. Shakespeare. Sir. Shakespeare sir. My age. Um... <laughs> what? Uh, what does the future have in store for these these characters? We know Claudio and Hero are going to go off, and you know they're going to have a thousand babies, and she's going to get fat, and she's the wilting you know. flower. Yeah, she's going to do what she's supposed to do. Uh, I don't. I don't. It'd be kind of a, a funny comedy to see their married life together because we know it they're, would, they're it? aiming to get married. It's very you know uh, straight to the moon, Alice kind of a situation. So I'd yeah, I'd be really interested to see a comedy about that. Well, I, you know, sometimes I would wonder, you know, I don't know what the age of Beatrice would be, but sometimes in, in those periods, if they were a little bit older, they wouldn't have children. Right. I'd like to think of them as being that really cool couple. That's what I'm thinking. <clears throat> I think never they would have kids. very, very, 
sultry sex life. They'd be very kinky. They'd love yeah. to wear costumes and things like oh that. Oh, my God. Have, <laughs> perhaps, oh my goodness. Uh, you be the badger tonight. I'll be the beaver. <laughs> I don't know what... I mean, in Elizabethan... Wait, isn't the... Never mind. In Elizabethan Elizabeth <laughs> England... Oh, let's be kinky. Let's, yeah, let's be, yeah. Okay. Un, 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 unbutton your top button. <laughs> Ooh, Let me see your ankles. Ooh, your ankles. <laughs> Is that a bead of sweat in your cleavage? But no, I think I think they would be that cool couple that everyone loved. They would throw great parties. They would always be. They'd be yapping at each other occasionally. They'd be in love, and then they would yap a little bit, and everyone would just love. Oh, to they watch. would constantly, they would constantly snipe them each go other. at it. They're yeah. totally the couple that like. It, after that point, would just be putting on a show for others by sniping yeah. each I, I other. Think, but then when they're alone, I think they'd be very sweet together. I'd like yeah. to think that they're the couple that other people who have problems go to would go to. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, and they would say, "Look, you know, who actually have time to help them because they're not, yeah. can, you know, yeah. dealing with their children and their own drama. Yeah. It's just, it's just us dealing with each other." Yeah, I, I, I actually, I mean, if it was 2019, they'd probably collaborate on a book. And, and it'd be one of those almost artistic couples. Yeah, they'd be just... one of those couples that makes a movie. You know, well, a, be, be, a Beatrice and Benedict. The title of the book yeah. would be "If the Two of Awkward Us Awkward Love Scene if Productions." The, <laughs> if the yeah. two of us can make it work, so can yes. you. Yes, they would <laughs> you would just show, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Benedict and Beatrice doing their TED talk on <laughs> on relationships. Yeah, you got to stop that back talk early, ladies. I'm telling you, like that's I could so see her saying something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, she would slap him around. <laughs> Metaphorically, anyway. No, I mean literally. Well, yeah. uh, I guess if he's into that, sure. But probably so. Most, <laughs> we most of us are. Well, if he's talking about costumes over here, maybe. But <laughs> mm, Bilderbergers. Anyway, that one went past me. I, 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 I got to tell you that Bilderbergers don't, don't they dress up in costumes and do all kinds of weird kinky things because they're just so rich they just went there. No, that's the. Um, it's like it's like not, a not, eyes not, wide not, shut kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Or Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just which our Claudio or uh, our Claudio which is hotel a did dead... you say in Alpharetta where they? I'm not going to say which one it is. <laughs> That's probably wise. Uh, oh. But yeah, there's some. I'm not gonna tell going to tell you. On. I'm not going to tell you. It's the it's hotel. Twenty dollars to get in. Isn't <laughs> it? It's the hotel that and how is would you know that? down by. It's near the Waffle House, not that Waffle House, the Waffle House by the mall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that apparently one night a month is a is a it's a swingers party. Oh. Interesting. That's the word yeah. on the street, anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, the person who told me this claimed to have been there several hey, times. I really? still have a press badge. Oh we my could god. figure this out. Holy shit! I want to <laughs> so bad. <laughs> oh my god. Can we all be a part? I of I would press love nothing team better over than to off. show up well, with yeah, a hidden I need camera. Somebody with a camera <clears throat> who could take pictures. Oh, I need. Yeah. yeah, I've got to have a team. Well, oh yeah. Let. Yes. Yeah. One I'm of down. you can be my editor, and the other I'm, can be the I'm photographer. I'm so down with that. Look, I mean, I've microphone, baby. All right. I think that um, given the fact that we've discussed the future of Benedict and Beatrice after the play, it's safe to say that we've covered pretty much everything in the play that uh, we're going to cover tonight. Before, during, and after. Yeah. Do yeah. you do you have anything else to add as far as anything you want to say about Much Do About Nothing? Um. And no, the answer is. <laughs> yes, I think we've turn, overturned every stone. Talked about it, almost everything we can. I think so. We don't want to lose our audience. We just want them to come see the show. Why don't you come tell see them, the show? Tell them when when the show airs. Uh, we are going to be performing. Well, uh, yeah. Do we have a location? That's that's the problem. Is the venue is 
still. How about what website to go to? Go to the latest and greatest yeah, news. Go to Act One, the number one, Act One Theater dot com, or just uh, do a Google search for Act One Alpharetta. You'll find it, and it will have the the up to date show times and locations. And the reason there is a reason why the the location is a bit of a question mark. We had originally intended for all this to be done at the park. Yes, at Will's Park. Yeah, as part of a Shakespeare in the Park. Um, which may well still happen. Which may well, but the the reality is that we live in Georgia. It's May. The weather is not on our side at all. He believed Bill Nye, the world's on fire. Mm. Bill Nye. <laughs> I used to like Bill Nye. Now he's... Up too, his own. too hysterical. Yeah, he's up his own ass. Yeah, you know he's you know Bill. You're not Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, oh, deGrasse Tyson's on. Mm. Well, before we go, I do want the very first director to to hire me for my very first Shakespearean production. It was Taming of the Shrew. I played Tranio. It was it was Pam Riley, and I just wanted to give a shout out to her. She inspired me to continue down the path of Shakespeare. And I'll never forget, because I was very—I was a naval officer at the time. I had no experience in acting. And I remember showing up for a rehearsal, and I was like, where is everybody? <laughs> She's like, no, this rehearsal is dedicated to you, to train you on how to be a Shakespearean oh, actor. Shit. And she devoted a whole time. I was just terrified. But she, you know, she kicked my butt and helped me to go down this crazy acting road. And, and I'm very thankful for her that well that's nice that is very nice and and you know it's it's an interesting thing to look back on the people who had an impact yeah you know made you pivot yeah a direct pivot yeah (laughs) because at a certain point you know in your life you had no clue that you would i'm guessing that if i had told the 20 year old you that you wind up in this that you were going to be sitting here Talking about a Shakespearean play that you're starring in. No. You would have said, no, no, that's, that's nonsense. What have you been smoking, my yeah. friend? And it is not something soft. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> it's you hard. Know, and that is the thing about Shakespeare. You know, life is ultimately this series of strange events that the players cannot notice as being connected. And driven by a theme. But if you step back, you realize there's something going on. There's a plan there. There's whatever you want to call it. Kismet, destiny, karma, Divine whatever. intervention. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But there's something there. And here we all are. And isn't that absolutely wonderful? And let me say, as the director of this uh, performance of Much Ado About Nothing, it has been an absolute treat to work with the actors and actresses that I've worked with. And I really do hope that if you come to the show, if you don't live near here and you can't come see the show, go to theateralpharetta.com, watch it. I really think you're going to be impressed by the performances that these people put on. It's really something else. And you know what? It's Shakespeare. And if you don't love Shakespeare, go read it again because you missed something. Exactly. Yeah. And I think on that note, it's an appropriate time to end. Uh, I want to thank everybody 
for listening to this episode. A very unique episode of Hindsight is Horrifying. Um, certain themes were consistent. <laughs> was there <laughs> any through line? I guess yeah. Much Ado was a through line. Yeah, it was. Yeah. This one. We sort of talked about it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all very much for spending your daytime, your nighttime, your drive time, or whatever time it was with us. And we look forward to meeting you again very, very soon. I'm Jason Mitchell signing off. And I've got my co-hosts, plural. Darth Jader. And Adam. Until next time, good night.